Hey, you're about to hear a great word from our teaching team. At Freedom House, we're about equipping you to experience Christ's freedom every day. We would love to connect with you. We stream our live services Sundays at 10.30 and 12.15 Eastern Standard Time. You can join us at freedomhouse.cc live. I hope you enjoyed this message. Welcome Freedom House. Y'all look wonderful. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Look at your neighbor. Give him a little Merry Christmas high five. Come on. Look at your second choice. Say you look like you need a little Christmas. Come on. How many of y'all finished all your shopping? Come on, raise your hand if you finished. How many of y'all still got some shopping? Raise your hand. Stretch your hands out to them and pray right now, Lord. I drove the other day through Concord Mills. It was a Thursday afternoon, about 2 o'clock in the afternoon, and I got stuck in traffic. So if you're going to go to the mall today, bless you. Bless you. I would go on Amazon.com and sign up for Prime Delivery and get them delivered to your house tomorrow. Um, Hey, my name is Troy Maxwell, and uh, my wife and I are the senior pastors here at Freedom House. And what an honor it is to celebrate Christmas with you. I also want to remind you that tomorrow is a very, very special day. It is today's Christmas Eve Eve. Tomorrow is our Christmas Eve services, so if you have family, make sure you go to one of our campuses, one of our services. We've got two, four, five different services you can participate at three different campuses. Also, you can watch online as well, but it's not going to be the same online. I will promise you that. It'll be something really, really special that we're doing tomorrow. You heard about all the bike giveaway, but hey, listen, on your way out, we also have these little invite cards right here. They look like this. Um, We have these little stands outside. You can grab some of these invite cards, and I'd encourage you to invite some people while you're standing in line at Walmart, while you're standing in line at Target, you know, you're going to be there for a long time, so you might as well have something to talk about. You can talk about church. Uh, people are really open to, uh, to, to come to church, and, and uh, I'm sure you've seen all the signs all around the city and all the different things that are going on. Um, I, I'm fired up about it, man. I, I can't wait. We got something really special planned for you, a great message for you, and uh, it'll be great for your whole entire family, so make sure you come out and uh, and. and for your kids, man, there's going to be hot chocolate and, and horseback riding. and all, I mean, not horseback riding, something involving horses. And just all kinds of different things you can do. I don't know what it involves. I don't even know what they're doing, but I know it's going to be amazing. I know my job. My job is to preach. And, uh, and so let me get to my business here. Stop, stop, you know, getting me off track here. Hey, back in 1985, I was in the 10th grade, 11th grade. And it was during the summer, my dad... And many of you know a little bit of my history, a little bit of my story. My dad actually was not in my life. We uh, basically, he got divorced from my mom when I was 14 months old and never was in my life, in and out, very difficult relationship. He was an alcoholic, didn't know a whole lot about him, but he came back into my life and said, hey, why don't we move in together? I I want a second chance in my relationship with you. I want a second chance at being a dad. I'm like, sure, why not? You know, I've been living with my mom. I'm, I'm a, I'm a, I was an only child. I'm, I am an only child, only grandchild on both sides of the family, and uh, which means I'm spoiled rotten and don't touch my food. <laughs> and my wife gets mad at that all the time. But, you know, she can get her own food. <laughs> and so he came back into my life. We got an apartment, him and I, two guys. Now, I was not a Christian at the time. And uh, we get an apartment right across the street from my high school. So I could basically walk to school or get somebody to pick me up. Well, we had a great time together uh, because he was still drinking a lot and I was drinking a lot as well. So we would party together. It was probably for a non-Christian, 
drinking family, it was a great relationship. Uh, not something I approve of and something I recommend, but that's just the way it worked in my family, odd as it may seem. And so one particular Saturday changed my whole life. I got a phone call that my dad had been in a horse accident. My dad and myself were very avid and are very avid horseback riders. We grew up riding horses. He owned his own horse. We did a lot of riding, a lot of English riding, jumping, fox hunts, all that kind of stuff. And so I got a phone call from somebody at the hospital that my dad had been riding. He was drunk, without a helmet, jumped over a fence, and fell off the horse and landed on his head on one of the posts of the fence and ended up having a third-degree head trauma. His head was about three times the size as it should have been, cracked his skull, which began a very, very difficult two-and-a-half to three years of rehab for him. Now, of course, I was living with my dad in this apartment, and now I had a decision. My grandparents, his parents, came to me and said, hey, listen, we can't keep the apartment just for you to finish up your senior year. You have a choice. You can move in with your mom, back in with your mom, whom, if you know a little bit about my mom at that time, uh, she was selling drugs, and so there was a lot of drug and alcohol going in and out, a lot of men going in and out of her house, and, and or I could move in with my grandparents. My grandparents were, you know, husband and wife. They'd been married for almost 40 years at the time. Uh, very stable house. For somebody, honestly, for somebody like me at that particular moment, the, the, the decision that you would think that I would make would be I would move back in with my mom because I could have the freedom. She would let me do anything I wanted. She would let me drink, do drugs, do whatever I wanted, come in any hour of the night, anything I wanted. I had a car, you know, I could do anything I wanted. Interestingly enough, something down deep in my heart said, pick your grandparents. Because I don't know what it was. I don't know if this was the beginning of a decision that would carry me through the rest of my life. Or I just wanted a home. I wanted some semblance of a home. I think we all long for a home, don't we? We all want. I, I know sometimes we fight against the, the rules or maybe the boundaries that are set in a home. We, we wrestle, even as parents, we kind of wrestle it with it, don't we? We, we want to give our kids freedom, but yet we want to also create this fence around this playground called life. I love the way the Smithsonian defines a home. It says, be it ever so humble, home is more than just a place. It's also an idea, one where the heart is. Now, I think that in essence, some of us deal with this struggle of de defining what a home is. It's not a place. It's not a geographic location. I think you can make a home anywhere, whether it's an apartment, a one-bedroom apartment with six people in it. Or a 25,000 square foot home with, you know, 18 bathrooms. It really doesn't matter the size or the space or where it is. I've been in foreign countries where people lived in a box and it felt like home. I've met with a lot of people who lived in large homes with, with huge different, you know, all kinds of toys and stuff. And it didn't feel like a home. It felt like a place. It didn't feel like a, a place. Listen to what happened with Jesus. It says in John chapter 1 verse 14. And by the way, this is Christmas right here. I know we talk about the story of him coming, but this was John basically describing prophetically what Jesus was going to do when he came. This is what Christmas looks like. It says, so the word became human and made his home among us. In, our, in other words, Jesus 
The Son of God came to live with us so we could make our home in Him. God the Father, inside this little baby Jesus, came, didn't come with great pomp, great stature, didn't come on chariots of fire, the sky opening up like we all think that He should come as this big king. No, He came in a very vulnerable child to reconcile you and I. Because God wanted us to come and live in him. I love the way the message paraphrase says this. says, the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. God really wants to move into your neighborhood. And I think, I believe that there's a longing in our heart that we all want God to move in our neighborhood. Into our life. To, to make our home in us so that we could experience the presence of God. In other words, we are all homesick in some way, shape, or form. We all desire the presence of God. We may not know how to define it. We may have experienced it. Maybe today, your first time, you're here in Freedom House Church. You've never been in an environment like this. There's something here. There's a tangible feel. There's, that, that's called the presence of God. That's the Holy Spirit. And, and when you get a taste of that, it, it's, it, it, there, there, you, can't, you can't live without it. My grandparents were, were spiritual people. They went to church every single weekend. They didn't know as much as, as we know now. You know, they, they, were, they were a bit religious, but they, they loved God. The peace of God was in their home. The, the presence of God was in their home. Everything about God uh, was there, and, and I just wanted it. I struggled, you know. I struggled with the whole idea of having to be home at 1130 and and I couldn't get drunk in the house with my grandparents. That was odd for me. You know, I mean, that just was odd. But I think it shaped me because I was homesick. I want to talk just for a few minutes with you today about when Jesus comes into your home. When he comes into your neighborhood. When he visits you. And I want to use a story that's found in Luke chapter 8. It's a very interesting story of a man who has a daughter. He has a home. He has... This, he's a ruler. His name is Jairus. Jairus. Look with me at Luke chapter 8, beginning in verse 40, 41. It says, then a man named Jairus. Everybody say Jairus. Jairus. Come on, say it again. Say Jairus. Jairus. A leader of the local synagogue. So he's a leader of church. He's a deacon in the church. Came and fell at Jesus' feet. Notice what he did when he fell at Jesus' feet. Pleading with him to come home with him. He didn't have any other options because his only daughter was about 12 years old, was dying. As Jesus went with him, he was surrounded by the crowds. Now, I'm a dad. I have two little girls, 19 and 17. I could not imagine what it felt like or what it feels like to have a child that's dying on their deathbed. I couldn't imagine what this gentleman was struggling with, never been in that experience before. I know as a parent, when my kid is sick, I want to take their place. I don't want them to be sick. I want, I'd rather be sick than them be sick. I feel helpless. I can't imagine what this gentleman was feeling like. Here his daughter is in his home. He's heard about Jesus, obviously. He's a religious man. He knows the Bible. He understands the scriptures. He's probably exhausted everything that he can exhaust to try to figure out how to get his deal fixed. He's probably spent every bit of money that he's had, invited all the doctors, and I think that's sometimes where we need to get 
in order to plead with him to come home with us. In other words, let me say it this way. A place becomes home when we invite Jesus. And here's the thing. Jesus is never going to come into your home unless you invite him. How many of y'all grew up with screen doors? Raise your hand if you grew up with a screen door. Y'all know what I'm talking about. I remember, I love screen doors. We don't have screen doors anymore. Why? Because we don't want people coming in our house. Screen doors were not really a door. I mean, they were 90% air. If somebody wanted to come in, they just walk right on in. Matter of fact, you never lock. And if you lock the screen door, what's the purpose? Right? I grew up with screen doors. You know, I'm over 45. And so that was back when you trusted people in your neighborhood. You didn't have cameras. Come on, you didn't have cameras on your doorbell. You know, ding dong. Let's check the camera. Who is it? Ooh, it's another delivery. Another delivery. Oh, we're not going to answer the door right now. It's the neighbor. <laughs> Shh, kids, be quiet. Don't run around. You know what I'm talking about. Y'all have done it. You did it to me a couple times. I was the guy out there waiting to come in. Bless your house. No, I'm just kidding. Screen doors. Why, why did you put a screen door? I know in our neighborhood, when we had screen doors, it was because if you were in our neighborhood, you could come in anytime you wanted to. You could just walk right in, and they all had little screech, screech to them. I don't know if that was the alarm that somebody was coming in your house, you know, and then bam, they would always slam a little harder than they should. You know what I'm talking about. I remember as a kid, I'd walk up in anybody's house, walk in there, open the door, go in the refrigerator, get some hot dogs, whatever, some Kool-Aid. That was back when you could drink Kool-Aid. It wasn't, you know, a political heresy, you know what I'm talking about. It, so I'd drink some Kool-Aid, go right on out. They never knew I was even in the house. <laughs> go on down to the neighbor's house, open their screen door because they always had this in their kitchen and just go in and out at people's houses as will, at will. Revelation 3.20, says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. This is Jesus talking to us, the church, talking to you and I, the people. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. There's an interesting picture, and I've shared this with you before, but I love this picture. It's a picture that was painted by Walman Sanders. Here's what it looks like right here. It's Jesus, and this is actually the picture of Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. And this picture is Jesus standing at the door knocking. Now, we understand that what he's talking about is he's knocking on the door of our heart. But there's something very interesting about the door. If you look very closely at the door, there's no handle on the door. In other words, Jesus can't reach out and open the door. You have to open it on the other side and let him in. You have to invite him. You are the one that has to invite him. You are the one that has to open the door. Now, I believe that there are certain ways that you can create a screen door in your house. One of them, I believe, is worship. Worship welcomes Jesus. If you want a screen door in your heart, then worship him. There's a crazy, there's, there's an amazing story, just one chapter before Luke chapter 8. And this is when, when you can really, it proves to me that you can create a place for Jesus to come anywhere, anytime, any place. Anywhere. And it's this guy invites Jesus to come and have dinner with him. His name's Simon. And it says, behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner. 
Now, this, this proves to me that it doesn't matter what your background is, that you can still invite Jesus. You don't have to, you don't have, to have your life all together to create a screen door for Jesus to come in and out anytime you want it. Him too. You, you, you can be a sinner. This woman, when it says a sinner, one of the other gospels describes her as a prostitute. Not just any sinner, but a bad sinner. When she was, when she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, it wasn't even her house. She, she brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil, and she stood at his feet behind him weeping. Notice what she said. She, she did. She began to wash his feet with her tears. That's worship. Wiped them with the hair of her head. That's worship. And she kissed his feet. That's worship. And anointed them with the fragrant oil. That's all worship. In other words, Jesus, here's a screen door. Come anytime you want. There's no lock on it. Just come on in. I want you to come into my office. You know how you do that? Start worshiping in your office. Instead of watching the news, turn it off and put some worship on in your house. Put, t- turn the radio off on the way to work. You want to create a screen door in your car? You want... To make a home for Jesus in your car? Come on, just turn the radio and put on some worship music. Start singing to God. Start kissing his feet, kissing his feet with your, with your with just bow down before him and pour out your heart to him, man. Everything will change. His presence will come. God will show up. I um, people make fun of me because I go to bed early. But I get up early. How many of y'all are early bed people? Come on, raise your hand. Normal people. <laughs> oh, you stay up late, people. Y'all get in trouble anyway. Let's go to bed early, people. We get up early. Nothing good happens after 930. <laughs> so so I, I'm sure you've, you've experienced this before. You've been over somebody's house, right? And uh, they want you to leave. <laughs> now... You've been there, you had dinner and whatnot, and you're sitting talking and everything like that, and then all of a sudden, now if you don't know what that means, let me just give you a hint, church. It's time for you to go, it's time for me to leave. That's, That's your hint that you're just a guest in the house, and now it's meant for you to leave. Now, if you're in my house, I don't give you any hints. You can stay as long as you want. I just get up and go to bed. You can stay. I don't really care. Happens all the time in my house. I have people at my house all the time. And they know around 9.15, 9.30, Pastor Troy, you can just watch him. I'll just make it wherever I am. I just go right on up the stairs. and Hey, good night, everybody. Y'all enjoy yourself. I'll see you later. Just close my bedroom door. That's why it's upstairs behind and behind closed doors. You know, I just go to sleep. I don't really care. You can stay as long as you want. We got to also remember that when we invite Jesus, we don't treat him like a guest and give him the whole watch. Hey, God, Jesus, I'm kind of tired of you being here. No, we got to let him stay forever. You invite him to come and live with you forever. It's it's not just a daily thing when I get tired of Jesus. I just, hey, can I get you to leave? Can can I, I I, I just need you to leave. I need you to leave. No, let's not treat him like a guest or a visitor. Let's treat him like, like he needs to be with us all the time. Every part of our life. Every part of our life. A place becomes a home when, 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 you, when you invite Jesus into your home. Um, oh, I skipped one here. Oh, there we go. Let me read this verse to you. It says, when Jesus 
and behold, a woman, oh, there it is, right here. When, Jesus, when they arrived at the house, so Jairus comes in, and J- Jairus brings Jesus to their house, and there was a little bit of a, a situation that happened in the middle where Jesus actually healed a, a woman with an issue of blood. You may know the story. It says, when, Je- when they arrived at the house, Jesus wouldn't let anybody go in with him except Peter, John, James, and the little girl's father and mother. So here's the second thing you got to know about when Jesus comes into your home. He cleans up. He cleans up. He takes care of business. He removes some stuff. He gets rid of some stuff. And I love what he does because he actually gets rid of some people. (laughs) He does some people cleaning. And that's sometimes what you have to do. Look at what happens in verse 53 and 54. Then they ridiculed him. So he shows up. And, and, and knowing that she was dead, but he put them all outside. They, they started ridiculing, saying, hey, this girl's dead. Why are you even here? And so he says, get on out of here. I don't even need you in here. Now, this is important because this teaches us that we have to distinguish between the prayers and the sayers in our life. Because there are people that say stuff, and there are people that pray stuff. And I want people in my world, when something is dead, that pray, not just say. And you have to distinguish. And so Jesus removed all the sayers. He says, y'all get on out of here. Quit ridiculing me. I know what I'm doing. I'm the son of God. I'm Jesus. I know you think she's dead, but I'm about to change something. So he puts them all outside. Sometimes you have to remove somebody. Another way to say it is you got to decide who your Peter, James, and John is. And I believe that everybody has a Peter, James, and John. People that you can trust in when you're going through something. Listen, when you're dealing with something, you don't need to tell everybody about it. Be careful. Don't just get on Facebook and tell them, oh, I'm going through this. Because some people really don't care for the fact that you're going through something. And they would rather gossip about it than pray about it. Well, did you hear about someone? So we need to pray for them. And then they just go on down the line and, and belittle you and, and terrible things. I don't want those people praying. They have no faith. I want people who have faith in my situation. So Jesus comes in our house and he moves our furniture around and he finds the dust bunnies of doubt. Right? Come on. He, he gets into our world and he pushes furniture around because he wants to find things. Listen. Listen. That you don't even know is there. People in your life. Every situation is going to be a little, there's going to be a little different Peter, James, and John for every situation that you're going through. If it's a, let me just say it this way. If you're dealing with marriage problems, you don't need to get advice from somebody who's been through four divorces. I'm just saying. I know they have a lot of experience, but it's not good experience. Hello. Now, I'm not, look, listen, if you've been through four divorces, I'm not. I'm not condemning you by any means. There's grace and there's mercy. But you shouldn't be giving anybody advice about marriage. And so what what God can do is he can help you discover what the prayers are and what the sayers are. You have to decide that. You have to, to, and physically sometimes you're going to have to delete them out of your world. Get rid of them. Just kind of stop, just I can't talk to you about that. Hey, how's everything? Hey, it's going going okay yeah we're doing well thank you thank you but then there's people over here that you go hey listen this is what i'm dealing with because you trust in them you know they're going to take it to god you know they're not going to talk to anybody else about it 
So he does people cleaning. You know what else kind of cleaning he does? He does what I call mindset cleaning. Mindset cleaning. Because, listen, your truth is not necessarily the truth. The experiences that we go through are not necessarily the truth of what God's trying to do in our life. Let me say it another way. Often we are waiting for our circumstances to change when God is wanting to change our perspective. We think he's going to change our, our circumstances when in reality he's going to change your perspective. So you can see the circumstance from another position. So he changes our entire mindset on how to deal with the circumstance. On what to do with the circumstance. How we... How we process the circumstance maybe you just need to go through this and get to the other side of it because it's what's going to shape you to deal with the big thing that God knows you're going to have to deal with and so he's going to give you a different perspective and so he moves us around it's like a diamond when light hits it and you turn it around just a little bit and it just kind of has a different and just all these different facets are shown Oftentimes, God will move us around the situation so we can see it from a different angle. We go, oh my gosh, I didn't realize that God's working all things together for the good of those who love God. I didn't realize that this was happening in this situation. And so he moves us over here. Oh my gosh, I didn't realize the reason why this happened is because this person needed to come in my life. And if I, I didn't go through this, then this person would have never even been involved in my world and got involved in my relationship. And three days, three, three steps down the road, this person was so needed in the situation, if I'd never gone through this, then I would have never met that person. Are you following what I'm saying? It's amazing how God can shift things around. So if he's not changing your circumstances, pray that he'll help your perspective. If he's not changing your circumstances, say, God, show me your perspective. Show me your perspective. Now all wept and mourned for her. She was dead. But he said, do not weep. And I love this part. She's not dead, but sleeping. Come on. Sometimes we think something is dead when Jesus knows it's just sleeping. It's just asleep. He took her by the hand and he called saying, little girl, arise. And this is the last thing I want you to hear today. When Jesus comes into your home, he brings dead things to life. You know, there's all kinds of faith. I, I think we all we go through all kinds of different faith in our life. For example, babe, Abraham had baby making faith. Sometimes you need baby making. He's hundred years old, hundred years old, hundred years old. They, pills can't even help a hundred years old. Let's be honest. His wife was ninety. His wife was ninety years old, and so so. Baby making. Some, sometimes you need baby making faith. Mo, Moses had escaping faith. Right? Escaping faith. He had to get out of Pharaoh's grips. Peter had get out of the boat faith. Sometimes you got to get out of your comfort zone. Walk on water. Elijah had God as bigger faith. He came up against 750 prophets of false gods. He had to say, my God's bigger than your God all by himself. Come on. David had giant killing faith. Sometimes you need giant killing faith. How many of y'all facing some giants in your world right now? Giants of debt. Giants of family, giants of marriage. We all, we all go through giants. We, sometimes we need giant killing faith. Nehemiah had wall building faith. 92 years of the walls being torn down in Jerusalem. In 52 days, he built them up. Daniel had lion taming faith. 
Sometimes you're in an environment where lions just want to chew you up and spit you out. You could be working in a lion's den right now. You need some lion taming faith. The centurion, Jesus said he, he had never seen before kind of faith. Like whole different level kind of faith. Jairus had hang in there faith. He had to hang in there. I think this is probably one of the most important kinds of faith because this involves patience. And the Bible tells us through faith and patience we inherit the promises of God. So the word of the Lord for you today, hang in there. Your dream is not dead, just sleeping. Come on, it's just sleeping. That business idea, just sleeping. Because Jesus can raise it back to life. You may think it's dead. Jesus just calls it sleeping. I wrote this down. Trusting in God's care means accepting his timing. Sometimes you just got to accept his timing. We don't get what we deserve. We get what we expect. You don't get what you deserve. You get what you expect. What are you expecting? Hey, let's, let's exchange all the problems of 2018 for a wake up from the dead 2019. Jesus can call those dead things back to life. What we call dead, Jesus calls sleeping. Jesus calls sleeping. My wife and I were coming home um, from a, a, a plane ride in Phoenix. And the ushers are going to pass out some containers. And I want you to take one of the envelopes that are, is, is in one of the... Don't, don't open them. Just take one of the, the envelopes and pass it on down. Grab one envelope each and pass... Don't open it up. I, I want to do something with it. My wife and I were coming home from Arizona, uh, I think it was about a year and a half ago. We were going home. We had been on a trip for a long time and, and uh, we're excited to get home. Now, if you've ever been on a plane, you know, it's a couple hundred people in a very small environment. And so just over this few seats away from us, there was this little girl who was probably about four years old and she immediately started crying. <laughs> and I'm not just talking about uh, I'm talking screaming at the top of her lungs kind of crying. Now, if you've been in a plane like that, you, you know that that is not a very pleasant experience. You're like, come on, parents, get it together over there. That's what I'm thinking. Like, can't y'all control the kid? You know, that's you know, my nice, graceful, grace-filled <laughs> philosophy. And uh, she's crying, and, and to make things worse, we pull out, you know, the plane leaves the, the gate, and we go sit on the tarmac. Forty minutes later, we're sitting on the tarmac. This kid is crying, screaming. Now, my wife, whenever we go on a trip, no matter where, she always goes to Trader Joe's or maybe a grocery store. She packs a pack of stuff, like some food, chips and cookies and all kinds of stuff, good stuff. And, and so I look over, and she's got all the snacks and cookies and good stuff. I look over at this kid that's crying, and the whole airplane is freaking out, you know. like they, You can tell it's tense in there. I look over at her cookies, and I look over at this little kid. And I go, I go, honey, why don't you give her some cookies? And my wife, she's so sweet, so gracious, so full of love. She goes, these are my cookies. <laughs> If her parents knew that cookies could solve this problem, 
Wouldn't they have brought their own cookies? I'm like, come on, honey. It's just a cookie. And so I turned over. The little girl's name was Jackie. I said, hey, Jackie, you want a cookie? And she said, she said, she stopped crying. Like, just shoop, shut it down. She looked over at me, and she goes, want cookie? So I took the whole bag, and I gave it to the parents. And the whole plane let out a big... And we took off when we flew four and a half hours to get home. See, sometimes, sometimes, in order to help other people get excited about coming home, we have to share something that we have. They don't know the experience of this plane ride or whatever journey they're on may be difficult, but if we can just share a little something that we have with them, we could help them realize that they don't have to be upset about coming home. So here's what I want to do for you for Christmas. I want to give you something to give away. So I want you to go ahead and open your envelope. Open it up. And in each one of the envelopes is some money. Some of you are going to get a $100 bill. Some of you are going to get a $50 bill. And some of you are going to get $20. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to take this. These are your cookies for a Jackie that God's going to show you over these next couple days. Somebody that's struggling in their life. Maybe maybe you got $20. We had somebody at one of our other campuses turn 20 into 2,500 and blessed a whole wing of a hospital with gifts for Christmas. Maybe you got $100 and maybe you can take that $100 and you can... Really, you could probably give somebody a good Christmas for $100. You could do something special. Maybe today when you go to lunch or, or you go to a late breakfast, maybe you take your $50 and you buy dinner or lunch for somebody that's across the way. Because somebody is homesick. And I believe that God's going to show you who that person is. So I want to arm you with some cookies. I want to arm you with the ability to go do so. We want to arm you as Freedom House Church to go and help somebody realize that, gee, this isn't about getting people to come to church. Listen, please, I want you to get that out of your head. This is about showing somebody who Jesus is. For God so loved the world that he gave. Let's give something during this Christmas season. It's more blessed to give than it is to receive. Do something significant with this. I mean, you say, well, it's only $20. You can do a lot with a $20 bill. You can do something special with $20. You can make it count. Because you know somebody that's crying. They're sitting on the tarmac of life. And they don't know how to handle or how to even get home. How to even get home. I want to pray for you. Would you stand up with me as we close this service? I want to just pray for you today as, as we leave. That God's going to do something significant in your life. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I just lift up every person here today. God, as you have armed them with the ability to change somebody's life, just a small gift, a token of your love for them. Lord, we may be the only Jesus that they come in contact with during this season. And so, Father, I ask you, I ask you to, to show us someone over these next few hours, today, tomorrow, when we're out and about, 
getting gas or maybe at the coffee shop. Maybe even in our neighborhood, we know somebody that's going through a tough time. Maybe even in our church, we know somebody that's going through a challenging time, God, that we would be able to show them the love of Jesus. Would you reveal them to us? Would you help us see a need so we can meet it? God, you've armed us. You've given us some seed, Lord. And we thank you that you're going to show us what good ground is so we can show. They may never walk through these doors, God. They may never walk through Freedom House. But God, we know you have prepared a place for them in your heart. So Heavenly Father, we ask you just to reveal Reveal us, reveal to us that person so that we could see life change in them, so that we could see them come home to know you as their personal Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Thanks again for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed this message. Don't forget to subscribe. And hey, if you want to find out more about our church or how you can be a part, go to freedomhouse.cc.